You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Soupcast, coming to you from Archaeosoup Towers. By popular demand, we're taking selected videos from the Archaeosoup back catalogue and bringing them to you as convenient podcasts. As the name implies, with Archaeosoup you get a bit of everything thrown into the pot. Archaeology, discussion, humour and debate. You can find out more at archaeosoup.com. So sit back, relax and enjoy our hearty helping of Archaeosoup. Hello and welcome back to Watching Brief for the week of the 20th of September 2021. I am joined as ever by the excellent Andy Brockman, my uh, co-host and collaborator extraordinaire. Good afternoon, Mark. You're being far too kind as you always are. Oh, it's it, it's a pleasure. It's so easy when I'm working with such a magnificent magnificent colleague. You know, you're you're, you're a, a, a where, where, which a, one? A, a, <laughs> okay, saboteur. Then let's go with saboteur. <laughs> Anyway, regardless, gad, 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 gadfly. Gad. <laughs> regardless of uh, of whether uh, of uh, Andy is a, as a collaborator or a saboteur, our watching brief does in fact continue uh, our ongoing mission to examine the archaeological news of the week and bring it to to you here in the form of a video to add to the conversation and the discussion below. And this week we have a fairly a fairly dominant story actually, a story that, that, that that's that's been. Uh, it present in the minds of archaeologists, historians, and heritage um, uh, professionals, and frankly, the interested public uh, through that, throughout the whole week, because it's really a pointer to the culture surrounding uh, culture actually in the UK, uh, particularly with the appointments of a new culture minister. So it's a it's a real um, milestone and um, and a, a bit of a uh, I suppose a mark of intent potentially. So it, it's something to, to, that we think and we hope people will be interested in outside the UK as well. But before we dive into that, we have a couple of uh, new news lines that you want to to highlight, uh, do we not, Andy? That's right. Um, unfortunately, we haven't got time to mention the fact that the Hobby Lobby has been forced to return the Gilgamesh Dream Tablet to the government in Iraq, from whence it was looted. Um, normally, obviously, something like that. It's, it's the culmination of a story we've been covering for, for some time. So men mentioning again that the Hobby Lobby and, uh, and its unfortunate habit of buying trafficked artefacts, uh, we just haven't got time to mention that. No, 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 no time, no time. And the thing is, so, the thing is, it, 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 it's, I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's uh, just because they keep on cementing their position at the pinnacle of 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 our muppetry scale with that lifetime achievement award it, 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 I mean, it's just embarrassing to have to mention it again isn't it we, we don't have to mention it, it it's fine we can, we can move on uh, we can put it in a drawer much like hobby lobby did. Every, yeah, yeah, yes until they were forced to take it out again because it had been looted um no, we just haven't got time to mention any of that and the fact that you know an, an important artifact from hms Potomac is now heading back to the Middle East and uh, the uh, government of Iraq and the Iraq's museums where it belongs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll, 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 we'll park that one. Okay. Um, What's the second story? The, the second story is actually um, equally serious in, 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 in its way, and it's to, it comes from the world of UK metal detecting, mm. and it's the collapse of a community interest company called Detecting for Veterans, which was set up uh, three or four years ago now um, to f 
facilitate veterans and people who wanted to support veteran causes, uh, veterans from the armed services and the blue light services, um, to go metal detecting. Mm. Um, it was uh, quite high profile. It attracted a fair amount of coverage. Uh, it uh, was very successful in obtaining permissions, which is the key to metal detecting these days. Mm. Um, and uh, all appeared to be proceeding quite smoothly under the directorship uh, of a man called Jason Massey. Then just over a week ago, accusations appeared in the social media that um, Mr. Massey had uh, effectively been committing fraud um, by diverting money that had been uh, donated to the uh, to, to, to detecting for veterans by people taking part in detecting for veterans rallies. Right. Um, now there appears to be an ongoing police investigation. Nothing is proven yet, and obviously Mr. Massey is innocent until proven guilty. Although it is also alleged that um, in uh, he uh, it was announced that he was in hospital with a stroke. Uh, and was very ill when, in fact, uh, he was observed by uh, people uh, who were watching his house connected with the company, um, literally almost taking out the bins. It was one of those um, tabloid-style stings where you stake out somebody's house and watch their comings and goings. Mm. Um, as I say, there is nothing proven yet. Um, the investigation's ongoing, um, but the company effectively has collapsed in uh, its... Uh, its websites, uh, its um, Facebook page has been closed down, and um, the there are appeals to contact the police if people feel they've lost money. Right. So uh, it's a story to watch, and I think, and obviously, you know, as I said before, Mr. Mass is innocent until until uh, proven guilty of anything. At the moment, there aren't even any charges. Mm -hmm. But um, whatever happens in the case of detecting for veterans, it highlights concerns that many people have had in the archaeological world for a long time about metal detecting rally companies and the lack of accountability and the lack of transparency in their operations mm. so i think regardless of what happens with d for v um the, the the issues that are highlighted by what appears to have happened won't go away no and it's always i hate to say it but it's always veterans isn't it it's always Unfortunately, the, 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 the um, it's a very attractive way of of gaining attention and raising money, uh, and and it's in it's uh, and in this case, it's potentially those precisely those sorts of people who are vulnerable or people who are simply served who are also at risk of losing out here. It's a that's a real shame. Um, it, it, it's here, and I'll, I'll just say very quickly. Actually, mm -hmm. a lot of the response on social media has been saying exactly that. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, and, and so it, it, you know, this is an extremely sensitive area. We're dealing with people's health and mental health and well-being at the same time. As, uh, one of the things that was said about detecting for veterans was it was very successful in land banking, metal detecting permissions, on the basis that it was a veteran. Uh, it, it wasn't a charity. It's a community interest company. It's a different thing. As much yeah. less regulation about it. Mm. Um, and uh, but but people were treating it as though it was a veterans charity, and it was gaining support on those grounds. Understandably, because you know, it, quite understandably, pe people want to support good causes and supporting you know veterans of the armed services, particularly those with health or mental health issues and so on. It's it, it, it's a a popular and needed you know avenue. Mm. Um, so. Mm. 
the fact that D4V appears to have collapsed in this way is, uh, before it's anything else, it, it, it's upsetting to mm. anyone who's, um, who's particularly veterans and those who are raising money for veterans. Okay. And, and finally, uh, we have something from Stonehenge, do, do we not? That's right. It's a newsline, and it's quite a significant newsline, I think. Um, Lee Day, the, um, the legal firm that was representing the uh, campaign to prevent the Stonehenge dual carriageway and tunnel going ahead, um, announced, uh, put out a press release a couple of days ago, that the Transport Secretary, Grant, Grant Shapps, uh, has decided not to appeal the legal decision that granting permission to build the Stonehenge tunnel and deal carriageway across the World Heritage Site was unlawful on two grounds. No. Uh, the government has stepped back from that. So uh, as things stand, uh, the position is that if they wish to carry on with the project, it has to be reassessed. It has to go to consultation again from interested parties. Um, there is a break on... Um, no, well, it's, it's unclear at the moment whether uh, enabling work is going to continue or whether it remains frozen. Because okay. um, but, but initially, the government was saying, regardless of the decision, enabling works continue, weren't they? But now, yes. it, yeah, now it's unclear. Okay. Yes. Mm, and, we're, we're, uh, and I'm sure we'll return to this in due course. Mm. Well, uh, let us begin our our main course, I suppose you could say, by introducing people to the Dorman Long Tower. Uh, this is a coal bunker structure built in a brutalist style in the uh, 1950s, I do believe, in a place called Redcar. Uh, uh, on, it's part of the Tees Valley Combined Authority. Um, and it is here in the northeast of England on the coast. And it was built as part of Redcar's very proud tradition of steel production, smelting and, and, and export, uh, which it's important to note in recent years has seen uh, a decline in a, and an eventual shutdown of that industry in that area. Uh, last time I was in Redcar, I was uh, I was buying a PC, <laughs> oddly enough. But I remember as we were driving through, we were driving past some of these these sites, and it was it was as that was in the balance. The question was whether or not uh, the these uh, these sites would continue because once you shut them down, once you stop the furnaces burning, essentially the 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 molten slag and metal and other parts of the, of the plant become unusable they sort of fuse they cut there it's no longer alive in a very real sense the industry has died and it's been allowed to die under uh, what we should also point out is an extension of the current government we've had a decade now of uh, of conservative um, administration in this country and this happened under their uh, watch um, in recent years, there was a proposal, was there not, to demolish uh, this structure, and it is quite an interesting structure. It's it's uh, it, uh, it's it's got a very specific design. It's um, quite pleasingly symmetrical. It's also quite functional, uh, a la uh, brutalism, and it has the words Dorman Long written on the outside of the structure. It, it's very. Um, well, dare I say, even iconic. Uh, it could have been something akin to uh, the Angel of the North or uh, any number of structures that we see across the country. Um, but that's no longer going to be the case uh, because, unfortunately, it was demolished uh, early in the morning on Sunday morning. 
how did this happen, Andy? What happened? Uh, because you can you can see why some people wanted to keep it, can't you? Yeah. Um, this is a story of high heritage politics, and I think it can be argued low cunning. Mm. Mm. Um, basically, the um, the area where the Dorman Long Tower is situated, the former Tees works site, uh, steel works site, of which really the tower is the, the last uh, upstanding marker, mm. um, has been slated to become a wind farm production facility. Mm-hmm. Um, Tees Valley Mayor Ben Hoochin, who is a conservative um, and is fully aligned with the government's levelling up and development agenda, argued that the tower needed to go because it was in the way and it would be expensive to maintain. Mm. Local campaigners, so you were shopping, take a breath there, as though you were going to interrupt Well, well I, I was about to say, but it sounds like you were about to say something similar to which is, but it's interesting, though, that during the last uh, election, it appears that the MP was standing on the uh, on the grounds that the tower should probably be kept subject to a spending review and it being shown to be viable. Uh, and presumably there were local campaigners who, who agreed with that stance. That's right. A, lo- a local politician wouldn't stand with that as part of their platform if there wasn't a local uh, interest in that policy, mm. I think mm. it's fair to say. So uh, up until really 10 days ago, roughly, um, the situation was that there was a campaign to save the tower and there was also a campaign on uh, 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 an intent on the part of Mayor Huchin and the Development Authority to demolish it. Mm. Um, what appears to have precipitated events is that um, the local authority confirmed a date of demolition mm. um, and then imme- almost immediately... Um, Historic England gave the structure a grade two emergency listing, which halted the demolition. Yeah, yeah. And this had the, 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 the Historic England announced the emergency listing on the tenth of September. Mm. Um, the following Sunday, the twelfth, according to Mayor Hoochin's press release, uh, the he and the, um, t- uh, the the development authority lodged an appeal with the Secretary of State for culture, uh, digital culture, media and sport, who at that stage was still over Dowden. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So basically, in, in, it, um, what happened was, Historic England granted the listing, it was then immediately appealed by another party, and it, the whole thing legally is refereed by the Department for Culture, Media and Sport down in Whitehall. Yes. Um, the Department for Digital, Digital Culture. Digital Culture, Media and Sport down in Whitehall. And... and here we need to point out and re- remind our viewer that um, the ruling party is the Conservatives and Mayor Hoochin is also a Conservative. Yes, um, as is the local MP. As is the local MP. Yeah. So anyway, to cut to the chase, um, there appears to be a certain amount of suing, throwing an argument, and then on the following Friday, um, it was announced by the new Culture Secretary, Nadine Dorries, that she had taken the decision to rescind the listing, Hmm. claiming that um, contrary to what Historic England had had said in in, in its um, justification, that the building was of 
limited interest and uh, was physically uh, damaged and, uh, and and would be difficult to conserve. And there was no, uh, and therefore the, the listing uh, was voided. Well, she's also quoted as saying uh, that it's clear that the building is essentially a functional structure. Uh, with that being a justification for it for it not to be kept, but but as I was pointing out to you, that's a very flip floppy, wishy washy language. I mean, we could describe the Queen Elizabeth. Uh, is it the second tower, the tower that houses the Big Ben uh, bell and clock mechanism, as being essentially functional? All buildings are are functional in that sense, and and yes. the, the the well, we'll we'll co- I especially we'll, we'll we'll come back to her her um. Reactions to her qualifications to make these sorts of comments in a moment, I suppose, won't we? But anyway, continue. Uh, no, you're, you're right to raise that. It's it's, in, uh, it's an important point to make. Uh, it's interesting that um, in greeting uh, Cultural Secretary Nadine Doris's decision, uh, Mehu Chin put out a press release uh, and, which contains various quotes. Um, and um, he said, uh, approving our appeal was the first decision of the new Secretary of State. This goes to show just how important the successful redevelopment of the red car former steel worksite is to everyone in government. Mm. Um, and then he said, um, and this is the, this is the uh, essentially, um, it's a provocative challenge to the heritage groups that were involved. It's almost... So, some people might see this as almost triumphalist. This is, um, this is a direct quote from, from Mayor Hitchens' press release. Mm-hmm. This reverses the decision on its Grade 2 listing made after an application by local activists that, if allowed to stand, would have cost the taxpayer in excess of £9 million. That's money that would not be spent on the creation of jobs, the NHS, transport and other important services. Worse than that, it would have cost thousands of jobs and hundreds of millions of pounds of investment that were, we were and still are trying to bring to the site where the Dorman Long Tower currently stands. Mm, mm. Now, that in itself, by using a loaded term like activist, crusty, than crusty pe- activists, those people exactly. who are hanging themselves in trees and digging under the ground, gluing themselves to the motorways. Absolute, ab- absolute, yeah. ab- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and people who disagree with Mayor Hoochin would, arg- would argue, for example, that he's setting up a false choice. Yeah. The choice between conserving heritage and the NHS is a, fal- is a false binary. Yeah. Well, um, but also, as well, also as well, the choice between conservation and progress being a false binary. Absolutely. Well. And, yeah. and, and, and the fact that, you know, pretty much any development can be designed around something that it, it you know, something that already exists on the site. Mm. You know, if somebody, if somebody wants to build something new in Canterbury, they can apply for planning permission as long as they respect the cathedral. Mm. You know? or, or, for example, on the banks of the River Tyne, there was the construction of the, 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 the wonderful Sage Gateshead uh, Opera House yes. and, and um, a music, you know, music performance space uh, next to the Tyne Bridge, but also just up the bank, like within 100 metres, well, maybe 200 metres, of um, a former flour mill called the Baltic mm. that was converted into an art ga- gallery and, yeah. and serves the community very well. They didn't have to demolish the Baltic to build the Sage. So, no. as you say, there are, there are more often than not, there are options in these cases. Uh, Mr. Hoochin also said, I would like to send a message to those that think they that, that trying to stop these developments is the right thing to do. 
Our heritage does not lie in a rotting coal bunker, or her uh, our heritage lies in the people that built this great nation. It lies in structures that stand tall across the world, from the Shard, Sydney Harbour Bridge, and the One World uh, Trade Centre, which, uh, which immediately struck me as, as being, again, a false false dichotomy going on here no one's suggesting that, that that you keep a rotting coal uh coal pit in that sense um uh, or coal bunker uh, no necessarily it's about the 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 way in which that heritage is used and discussed and 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 um preserved for example um i believe the mp put out a statement uh uh, and we, sh we should we should name him. I keep on calling him the MP. Um, Jacob Young MP put out a statement saying that that he hoped with the the destruction of the tower that they could keep the lettering off the side. It looks like they didn't. The video shows that the whole tower fell with the lettering on the side of the building. Still, we'll come to the we'll come to the timing in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but th this notion that 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 in order to to appreciate the heritage of the area one should only look to one's one's people the flesh of the people in the northeast of england is i hate to say it it's actually pseudo fascistic and i'm not i'm not literally calling the mayor a fascist but it is it's a form of history that's built in blood and soil rhetoric the people are our history that's not true because the people are also subject to ongoing narratives about for example progress this idea of 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 standing in the way of progress coming straight on the heels of having just allowed an industry to die in the region is deeply political so this isn't about about a, her a heritage narrative or actually uh, be taking pride in something this is about shaping what people think of themselves and their region which is a separate issue uh, there's also the question of is he implying that people need to travel to london sydney or new york in order to to experience their heritage if they're from red car it's 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 high rhetoric but it's also highly flawed as well it's not actually uh, it's not actually good and i again once again i say i'm not suggesting that the tower had to be kept i'm suggesting that it that the heritage has to be better better threat than it has been threat i yes absolutely yeah, but you know there are always arguments around heritage and what is heritage and you know, that, that, that uh, for example i think um one of our colleagues uh tweeted out that oh if it had, had a statue of a slave trader on top it would have been kept mm. now that leads me to a very uh, uh, uh it, it's a sort of a bit, a bit of a smart observation, but for example, what that's alluding to is the um, the, the the people of Bristol or a, a, a group of people in Bristol, I should say, mm. um, tearing down the statue of Sir Edward Colston and dunking it in Bristol Harbour. He's now he's now been rescued and he's now on display again, but this time in Bristol Museum. Um, now that event caused a change in government policy, there is going to be a whole new law to protect and prevent and criminalise that kind of activity in taking down statues. Mm -hmm. um, and Sir Edward Colston's statue had the same level of protection, grade two, as was being, uh, was, as was being proposed for the Dorman Long Tower. Mm you can see that you know that, that, that it, there in two artifacts is the argument about what is heritage and whose heritage is it yeah um 
but I think for, for me, the, the importance of this, and, and it's, I guess it's the, the, the point I'd, uh, I'd finish on, because I think the story has somewhere to go yet. Mm. Um, and, and for me, covering these things uh, sort of journalistically, um, the questions are about process. Mm-hmm. Um, and the integrity of a process. Mm. Um, because on the face of it, Historic England listing something and then having it delisted barely a week later and having it blown up uh, a couple of days later than that, um, it potentially, I think, has a chilling effect on the willingness to list particularly modern buildings mm. that may be in the way of developments mm. uh, and, and developers, regardless of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why go through the bother of... of, of preserving something of listing something of, uh, uh, when it's going to be overridden by the secretary of state and and in fact the the, the this is really interesting in that the listing status have been granted and then it was overridden it wasn't the case of the secretary of state intervening before listing it was intervening after listing um but, and that but, but, but also on top of on. that we have the extra interesting uh, elements, and that is that the historic England has gone so far as to stand by that decision. They, well, they, can, I, can, I, put that in, well, can I put that in context? Yeah. Can I put that in context? Because um, that, that was going to be my next point. In his press release, Mayor Hoochin said, quote, Historic England has accepted the listing was a mistake. It was made by junior a junior officer who agreed to listing without ever seeing the structure itself. The application that was made was inaccurate, incomplete, and misleading, and would have put the progress and jobs at risk. Now, progress. Historic England. Progress. That's the there's the word yeah. again. You can't have progress without dynamite. Remember. Well, I think there are people that would disagree with that, and certainly, in, in, look in in this case, and it has to be said, I think, relatively unusually, Historic England has stood their ground. Mm. Um, and I think it's worth quoting what the actual listing said. Now, the listing was taken down from the Historic England website because obviously it no longer had any legal standing. But fortunately, it was kept in the web archive of what's often called the Wayback Machine. Mm-hmm. And so we can actually see what the grounds were for listing the Dorman Long Tower. And it's listed on the grounds of architectural interest as a, quote, recognised example of early brutalist architecture, a fine example of austere design, mm-hmm. um, a deliberate monument, deliberately monumental architectural statement of confidence by the then newly denationalised Dorman Long Company in the mid-1950s, and a rare, quote, considered to be nationally unique surviving structure from the 20th century coal, iron and steel industry. Mm. Um, a design which is above the purely function is also also cleverly combines control room storage and firefighting functions to form a state-of-the-art coking plant. Nationally unique. Mm. You don't use those words in a heritage context unless you've considered them. And then it also talks about the, the historic interest as part of the, um, the heavy engineering and steel industry on Teesside, which was the principal industry for most of the 20th century. Giving the uh, and, it, and in fact, it refer- the listing references Mayor Hoochin's example of the Sydney Harbour Bridge being part in, in part at least an out uh, part, uh, uh, you know a monument to the skills and ability of the steel the steel workers on, on uh, you know in in the in the northeast yeah so that is what mayor hoochin is saying is a mistake mm. and historic england have stood by their listing and, and basically said no it wasn't a mistake we knew exactly what we were doing yeah um and that's where we stand at the moment both sides are disagreeing with each other mm. um 
I think what the thing to watch is what comes out about the way this decision was made, the contacts between that may have taken place between Mayor Huchin, the Culture Secretaries, first of all, Oliver Dowd, and then Nadine Dorries, mm. and Historic England. Mm. Because it's clear Historic England, they, they, Historic England wouldn't have taken the stance they had if they didn't feel somewhat hard done by in this. True, but also as well, arguably, they wouldn't have demolished the tower at 2am on Sunday, the September of 19th, uh, 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 in, in circumstances that were entirely that they were entirely confident in and with. You know, normally these are daytime events. Normally people gather around and view these sort of collapses and and they, are, they aren't they are just sort of uh, kind of rushed through like this. Now, you, I suppose you could argue that the prep was ready, they were good to go and they had to, you know, they had to do it, had to do it now. Um, but it feels as if it was rushed through. Uh, and um, uh, it, right. the, an awful lot of commentary around it was, was essentially saying that that this was rushing to to finalise a decision, as it were. Yeah, you know, I won't use language along the lines of hiding a crime. I don't think that I think that that's not entirely appropriate. Other people have been using that language, but it's more a case of it was it was trying to put a full stop on something rather than having a drawn out conversation. Okay, I think people need to understand how how these things work legally. Hmm. Um, the the only lever that campaigners have in this kind of situation is something called judicial review. Yeah. And if there, uh, it, so I, it is possible to argue mm -hmm. that what Mayor Huchin was doing by by rushing what appears to be rushing through the demolition was to create a full stop, as you described it, mm. before anybody on the conservation side could get together a judicial review, which is expensive and um, it, it, it is difficult um, and takes a little bit of organising, uh, unless you've got a very clear, uh, uh, for example, an organisation which has a very clear purpose and money. Mm -hmm. um, so you can argue, as I say, that, that, that Huchin was trying to uh, prevent uh, another another intervention by creating a new reality. Um, one one of the, uh, 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 for example, a judicial review would be refused potentially on the grounds that actually whatever a judge decided uh, there was no you know, there was no public interest because the, the event had already happened. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was no going back. Having said that, recently a precedent there was a precedent in North London that a developer who demolished a great two listed pub. Yes. Um, without planning permission, had to go back uh, unlawfully, had to go back and reconstruct it exactly. Mm. Now, uh, here, planning permission was in place, the permission to demolish was in place, the listing overrode that, the listing was cancelled. Mm. So um, if you went to JR, you'd have to prove another element of um, unlawfulness within the process. What has happened here is that whatever research might be going on into the process and the documents and FOIs and things like that, um, in a sense, it now is only of historic interest because the courts will pro almost certainly not intervene mm. um, to, you know, because um, because of the... Um, because there's nothing to save. Because of what's happened. There's nothing to save anymore. Exactly. No. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I think it's probably worthwhile saying then that, 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 that this does, as we draw this to a close, I suppose, this, that this I think, sets a tone.
Uh, I suppose first and foremost, as I always feel compelled to say in these cases, archaeologists are not anti-development. They aren't anti-progress. They don't just want to preserve things in aspic for the sake of preserving things in aspic. And in this instance, as I said at the beginning, I'm not convinced that the tower necessarily had to be kept. But it had to be, be probably better understood. The argument could have been um, more clearly made. The conversation, for example, surrounding the preservation of elements of the tower, such as the lettering on the side, could have been done with more care and, uh, and, and due process for the sake of community and for the sake of, of that pride that the mayor apparently takes so much pride in. But regardless of that, regardless of the fact that, that you know, I, I keep on having to repeat this, the archaeologists aren't against progress, um, this is a it sets a tone for the person in the new culture secretary Nadine Doris that now archaeologists and other campaigners are having to deal with when it comes to the status of archaeology heritage and other culture in this country uh, in terms of its funding its value its moral and, and ethical um, status uh, and so on and so forth uh, we, we, we are living in times when uh, some of our national leaders don't want us to use the word crisis uh, but it does certainly for people who are losing their jobs feel like a time of crisis when the university departments are being shut down people are having their, their jobs put under review um, the uh, we've lost in recent years the archaeology gcse the archaeology a level those are two high school qualifications for people who, who may not know uh, and and conversations like this effortlessly uh, and I, this, I'm, I'm quoting myself now, a tweet that I put out a few days ago, but they effortle effortlessly hijack the national conversation. They effortlessly actually do what months of campaigning from, from well-meaning uh, archaeologists and others uh, have been trying to do, and that is uh, complete a, an element of a conversation or a paragraph in a conversation on the national stage as to what we think of our physical heritage and how we deal with our physical heritage and actually what qualifies as heritage. Um, some people uh, were, were trying to make the case that this this represented you know true working class heritage and it's truly you know northern uh, monumental stuff in in its in its purest form that may or may not be the case I, I, i'd be interested to know if this was a say an elizabethan watchtower or something like that would it have have stood more of a chance of staying uh, staying stood up uh, it's it's hard to know in, in to a certain extent but but the fact that we have a, a Secretary of, of State who, who can come out with a simple pronouncement or just confirming her predecessor's point of view um, by, by making a statement like, oh, it's just essentially a functional building, doesn't speak to granular detail, doesn't speak to an interest in the stuff of, um, of culture, of heritage, of, of what makes a place actually interesting. And if nothing else, the information that can be taken from these places and these monuments and held within the community in other forms. It simply speaks of, well, I'm not interested, therefore it can go. And it sets an unfortunate tone. I, I, I can't help but wonder what this means for this ongoing conversation that we're having at the moment in this country in the context of, as we've been covering recently on Watching Brief, you know, interviews with members of staff at Worcester, for example, at Sheffield and other places. Um, Chester have just come out of a, of a review process. Hull, um, uh, you know, hasn't escaped unscathed. Um, and there are others. What What do you think? Do you think that this that this was a 
as I've seen described, uh, this was a bit of a swift sort of slap on the wrist, if not a slight punishment beating, in fact, essentially saying, no, <laughs> we're in charge, shut up, kind of thing. Okay, um, bit of historical perspective. I mean, for, first of all, yes, it, it is absolutely an argument, as we said earlier, you know, earlier in this conversation. Um, it's, a, it's an argument about what is, what, it, what is heritage, whose heritage, uh, and who makes the decisions about heritage. Mm. Um, you can argue, and some people have argued, that, for example, this, the Dorman the Dorm uh, Dorm Long Tower was a memorial, effectively, to generations of Teesside uh, 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 steelworkers, mm -hmm. northeast steelworkers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, sorry, sorry, sorry. And, and incidentally, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought there, but incidentally, just across the river in South Shields, there's the F Pit Museum, that's a pit head that's been saved as a mm -hmm. local museum. Further north in Northumberland, yeah. there is the... Um, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, it's a it's 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 a it's a museum and a county, if not regional archive, that is also a pit head. They've kept the machine houses and other buildings. And there's the Beamish Living History Centre. Beamish Living History um, Centre, where they actually move these buildings to and reconstruct them. Yeah. Uh, Woodhorn, that's it. The Woodhorn Museum, a bit um, up mm. in Northumberland. The, the, these buildings can have lives after their industrial selves, and they can be relevant structures, but. Sorry, uh, I don't mean to break your train of thought. Continue. No, no, you, 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 you're quite right to raise those examples. You know, but, but, you, know you can create a, a scenario whereby, in spite of, you know, and, and to, again, to, to be to be fair to Mayor Hoochin and the people who follow his side of the argument, um, that uh, a, a report by the consultants Atkins has been released, which suggested there were structural issues with the building mm -hmm. and uh, applying various costs to conserving it. Mm. Now. What that doesn't go into, of course, is the fact that, and as people have pointed out, there are things like the Heritage Lottery Fund, which exist to fund projects with built to turn buildings like that into buildings with a sustain, sustainable future that maybe contribute to the local economy as tourist attractions, for example. Mm. You know, mm. and you 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 can build a scenario whereby that could have been a a viewpoint looking out over the coast, but also this wonderful new um, wind farm. Uh, factory production facility that is going to be built on the site. Yeah, it, it could have been, been the you know, icon a, of the of the of the factory in that sense. Yeah, abs yeah. absolutely. It could have it, it could have been an I an iconic marker mm. for what for for past and present and future mm. with a oh, bit of imagination. Another example here on Tynemouth, there the Low Lights Museum. <laughs> that was a, a structure that mm. was originally used as one or two structures to line up uh, boats as mm. they come into the t the river, so they know they're not going to um, beach themselves. But that building is no longer mm. really in use for that purpose. But it was repurposed, and it's just up the coast from uh, within within oh, well not quite a stone's throw, but within a. Um, uh, a um some sort of mechanized launch <laughs> launch um like a tennis ball maybe gun of uh of a medieval uh, uh monastery structure so these things can again they can live in harmony mm. with an ongoing community uh, but but, uh, uh, but at the same time there's an argument ongoing i think about the transporter bridge over the time mm, yes. which has broken down and the question is is it feasible to fix it at a reasonable cost yeah well, that that so that should also be said. So I don't I don't I don't know if we're getting off topic here, but but I think it just again for people outside the region, it should also be said that people in the northeast. And I said I was saying this to you yesterday. Have have always had a very um, pragmatic relationship with their physical heritage. So in Newcastle, for example, the the dockside, the River Tyne 
um, quayside has has been constantly changing over the past, especially the past 200 years. It's unrecognisable from what it was 50 years ago, and in turn 50 years before that, and so on and so forth. If a structure exists that is, for example, Elizabethan, and there are a couple that have survived, um, they are they are. Uh, they are prized because they because they somehow did survive uh, because people had a, a sense of the need for progress the need for um industry bottle making for example was happening on the on the south bank of the tyne um coal and uh, and other uh, materials were coming to the tyne through the town on the north side of the tyne uh, and that that's tyne side of, as opposed to tees or tees valley but it, it's a very similar attitude so yeah. uh, 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 i know and it should be said one more thing just just another case for the another bit of evidence for the for the mayor's side of this case it should be said that some people as well see these structures as monuments to almost economic exploitation actually um yeah. there are people who who uh, and i'm thinking now uh, uh, of of the welsh perspective welsh coal mining where you hear stories mm. of people who who don't like pit heads because pit heads remind them of their of their family members who died of horrible um, lung uh, complications, you know, coal dust, etc., getting into the body. So well, I, I, I've, yeah, I, I mean, similar thing. I've heard. Uh, uh, I was involved in a planning uh, issue where a local councillor opposed the retention of a possibly unique World War II air raid shelter within mm. the development site um, because, as he said. My mum hated them and was pleased, to, you know, almost applauded when, they, when she saw them being torn down at the end of the war. But isn't that the point? You see, what what, what we've just both pointed to touch that there, and this is exactly my point about Nadine Doris, that is a personal anecdote. That's a yeah. personal perspective, a personal yeah. valuation of something as opposed to actually what does it mean objectively yeah. for a community. Okay, let, let, me, let, me, let me finish with a bit of perspective here because we're you know we're historians we're archaeologists we go mm. with data and we go with perspective and we look at historical perspectives mm. um, we've been here before in the early years of the Cameron coalition in 2010 2011 2012 mm. there was a proposed development uh, called Broadgate next to Liverpool Street Station in the city of London mm-hmm. the 1980s Broadgate development was by a internationally famous British architect called Peter Foggo the late Peter Foggo working for, a, again, a world-famous international consultancy called Ovarup. Um, it won awards. It was seen as state-of-the-art for its period, which is the mid-'80s. Mm-hmm. In 2010, the, uh, a company called British Land uh, proposed redeveloping the site for, I think it was Swiss Ray was the company they were working for, uh, and had as, a cli- had as a client, and that involved removing parts of the Fogo design. Mm-hmm. Historic England recommended it be listed grade two star, I think, if I remember correctly, um, because of its association with Peter Fogo and because it was, you know, it, although it was a relatively recent building, it was seen as absolutely emblematic of the best of architecture of that period. Mm. Um, the then Secretary of State, Jeremy Hunt, very deliberately and publicly refused the listing. That was right. before the listing was granted. Mm. Mm. Um, now, the other piece of information that is important to this is that British Land, which is the company that was involved in developing the site, uh, and in fact has developed the site, um, was closely associated with the then Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne. He was He, in fact, appeared... Um, at the breaking ground ceremony in full high V um, on the 
Broadgate site. Right. Um, and in fact, one of the senior officers of British land was appointed by uh, the government, the then government, the Cameron government, to look at ways of um, liberalising planning laws, in particular regarding um, heritage laws. Mm. So there is a, and given the government, the current government's rhetoric about build back better and levelling up and so on and build, 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 the um, there is an argument that yes, what we have seen here, the timing is accidental. The, the timing between you know, the, the the fact that it happened, it was the first thing that Nadine Dorries did, is accidental. I suspect Oliver Dowden would have done exactly the same thing had he remained in post. Mm-hmm. And what this is is at least in part if not a punishing beating, a reminder to Historic England that we know where your office is and we and you know, by the way, who provides you with your budget, don't you? Yeah. Mm. 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 And the question is, where do we go from there? How do we deal with those people? But I don't suppose that's something that you and I can answer in the next 30 no. seconds or so. No. All, 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 I would say, all I would say is that the push to preserve the Dorman Long Tower came from civil society. Mm. And some politicians went along with it, at least for a while. And then and they became activists. The language, it, that, that kind of language is deliberately provocative. It's designed to create a deliberate image of, you know, it, it's one step from wanting to preserve a dormant long tower to the city on the M25 stopping the traffic. Yes. That's, you know, that, that, that's, 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 that's the kind of image that they're trying to build in, in, in PR terms. But I think what that shows is that one of the enemies of this kind of development at all costs and uh, and, and, and the past gets in the way is civil society. Mm. And if civil society objects, it can be very powerful and can chuck a very large spanner in the works if it knows how to if, if it knows how the works work. Um, and that means particularly, you know, it's, it's why the current government is trying to quote reform judicial review to make it more difficult. Mm. They know it's one of the few levers that's left that civil society has that can bring government, local government, government entities to account. Yeah. And that's what's going on here, I think. Mm. Okay. That's what they're afraid of. Okay. Well, it's been an interesting week. Uh, I'm sure this story isn't fully, fully finished. Uh, we're likely to no. see more come, come Far from it. Uh, but, uh, hopefully this sort of bumper episode has covered what happened and some of the issues surrounding it for you. So please do feel free to comment below if you want to add to this conversation. Also, actually, if you're from Redcar, from the area, feel free to, to comment on what you think of the tower falling down. In, in that sense, oh, sorry, falling down, being brought down. Rather, it's not, it wasn't a passive accident. Um, but uh, it, 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 as I say, it, 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 there's probably a, spe- well, there is undoubtedly a spectrum of responses to this, uh, to this happening in the way that it happened. So feel free to comment below. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, thank you for your time, Andy, this week. And if you like what we do here in the Watching Brief, please do consider supporting us on Patreon. You can support us for as little as a pound per month on uh, or a dollar per month on the Patreon website. Link below. Uh, your support is very welcome. And uh, it, allow, it allows us to, to at least, you know, to, to have the old penny sweet while we're, uh, while we're putting our agenda together. We can, you know, have some chewing gum or, or a, a nice a cough cop. What's your favourite sweet, Andy, actually? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not a sweets person. I do have a real soft spot for donuts. Oh, donuts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, 
Mrs. Soup is a big fan of Clove Rock. Have you ever had Clove Rock before? No, is, it, is that some that's some kind of northeastern delicacy? Well, actually, no, no, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's if, if it is northeastern. I definitely, I knew, I was in York when I lived there. Uh, but in particular, she she obviously grew up in Northern Ireland, so it was there. And it tastes ah. kind of. She describes it as tasting like dental mouthwash. But it's actually quite pleasant, so I don't, I'll leave you with that with that image anyway. <laughs> Clove Rock, try, try it out if you can. Thank you guys for watching. Until next time, do take care. Bye-bye. This podcast episode has been produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network in collaboration with Archaeosoup Productions. Find out more podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.